What's up, friends? And before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about my favorite app, and it is an awesome game. WGT, we want you guys to play with us. Make sure you download this app. It's an awesome golf app. Go to freewgt.com to download it. That, that way it tracks us and gives us credit for it. And join along and play with us. This week, we're going out to Kiowa Island, hole number four on the closest to the hole challenge. So go into game modes, go to Kiowa Island, go to closest to the hole, and then play the first, second, and third hole, and also the fourth. After you play the fourth one, send us a screenshot of how close you got to the hole, and then you're entered in for the weekly prize. Make sure you get that in soon, because on Thursday, we'll choose a winner. So make sure you get that in. You have about 48 hours to do that before the Broncos-Chiefs game on Thursday night. But let's say you're not very good like like myself. It's hard to admit, but like myself. Well, still make sure you send us a screenshot, and that enters you into the grand prize at the end of the year when we'll we'll just choose randomly one person. doesn't matter how good or bad you are, so make sure you get in on this fun game with us. I've been playing since 2012, way before we partnered with them, so make sure you do it, freewgt.com. All right, Mace, let's get into the show. Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. Mace, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well. I'm doing better than the Detroit Lions are today. Oh, boy, isn't that isn't that true? And before we talk about that game, i got to tell you about Strava Craft Coffee, who, of course, is our presenting sponsor. This is an awesome product. You get your coffee. You get your CBD all in one drink. It's great for the morning, great for the afternoon, great for the evening. Whenever you enjoy your coffee or enjoy your CBD, why don't you mix those two together? And that's what Strava does so well. It's great coffee. And you also get the the benefit of the CBD for aches, pains. Uh, it, it helps everything. I know so many people use it in our office. And that's the best testimony we can give you is that we here use it at BSN. So make sure you check them out and use the code DNVR20 to receive 20% off. And as Strava says, drink deeply, live fully. And kind of like you, you said, Mace, the Detroit Lions are not living fully today. Well, they're trying. <laughs> they're not getting any help from the officials. And look, I know we've discussed how you can't get too hung up on the calls if you're a team. you got to find other ways to make sure that the refs' calls don't matter. And certainly the Lions, there were some opportunities that they left uncapitalized, at least fully, settling for Matt Prater field goals on five occasions in last night's loss to the Green Bay Packers. But when you have the same call made badly twice in the same one-on-one matchup that you had last night with uh, Flowers going against 
David Bakhtiari, who was playing left tackle for the Packers. One of which basically decides the game because the five-yard illegal hands to the face when the hands were not in the face of Bakhtiari allowed the Packers to basically run out the clock to the Mason Crosby field goal. You're seeing this in very visible situations. Of course, we can go back to week two um, when the league admitted they got the roughing the passer call wrong that allowed the Bears to get 15 yards on their way downfield to a game-winning field goal. The NFL has a problem here. And while in many recent years you can accurately prescribe the scrutiny on officials to the fact that there are more cameras watching games, more and better cameras than, say, in the pre-HD era. This year so far, it's just been bad. We don't know what's going to be a call, what isn't going to be a call. You can even point to a couple of pass interference calls on Sunday um, in the Broncos' Titans game, one on Devontae Harris that appeared to not be pass interference. Another that was an offensive interference call against Cortland Sutton when Adoree Jackson basically had him hugged. The NFL has a major problem here, and unfortunately, it's a major credibility problem when you're seeing such prominent bad calls on a regular basis. Mace, I don't—you're right. I don't like talking about and and giving the game to the officials and saying, well, the Broncos lost because of this one play. Well, there, there's going to be some bad calls here and there, some no calls here and there occasionally— Last year, I did not like giving the, the, the Baltimore game to the Domitov Peko penalty. No, he made the penalty. Stop making excuses. But when after every primetime game, three out of four primetime games, this is being the conversation, not just locally by that team that, that was screwed out of a call, but nationally, it is a problem. And that's what this season in the NFL has become. And there's a simple solution. Well, maybe not a full solution. These refs got to be full-time employees. I mean, let's say you have a part-time employee and he's doing a terrible job and you have the money to pay him full-time. Isn't that the easy solution to say, you know what? I think you can do a better job. Maybe not a perfect job, but I think you can do a better job if we make you a full-time employee. What was interesting is that in 2017 – they started having 20% of the officials work full-time for the 2017-2018 season, so they would be part of you know, developing rules. You know how the officials would come yep. during training camp? They'd come during OTAs as well. Well, this summer they put that on hiatus. No. <laughs> I'm looking at the story here. This was on July 12th that Al Riveron, the senior VP of officiating for the league, told NFL Network, quote, unfortunately right now for this year that program will not be used. However, like I said, we use our officials during the year. We, we take them out to the clubs. We take them out to meetings still. That program will, in a way, will continue, just not by the name that we call it now. <laughs> so in other words, employment. not having full-time <laughs> officials. So it was fascinating to see that the league – took a step back from that, and I'm not saying that all the issues here in the first six weeks of the season are because they did, but 
it's strange. It's not. You, a, it's not a good look. No, that's you're sure. you're not you're not progressing in the right direction. <laughs> no. You're going in the opposite direction. You're expecting to have you know forward progress. I mean, the ideal thing is eventually, if you have some form of developmental league in the off season, then there's your thing that the officials can do in the off season. They can ref another league. I know part of the pushback is that well, how much are they working? How much can they work? But it yeah, doesn't matter. Is, you, but this this is you're you're you have a product that's supposed to be at the highest level, right? Mm-hmm. And the officiating clearly is not. Right. It's not meeting that standard. Right. You have you are spending what billions of dollars on players. You're spending billions of dollars on stadiums. You're having millions of fans come to games each year. Why would you put everything else on such a high level and and allocate so much money? to this product and then have something that is so crucial in the mm-hmm. game be such a low priority. And you know what, Mace, if it works, then good for you. You, you found a cheat in the system and you can mm-hmm. save a little bit of money. I mean, the, the money that they're saving by making these guys part-time instead of full-time is so minuscule compared to their, their overall revenue. Why would you not at least give yourself the opportunity to make it better so that it's not the talk after every game or every other game. And you really, really hope that we're not having this conversation on Thursday night after the Broncos-Chiefs game. Well, you want to hear Cleet Blakeman's explanation for what happened last night? He was the referee, and he's a referee who's got some skins on the wall in John Fox parlance. He refereed Super Bowl 50, as we all recall. Mm-hmm. He said the umpire threw both of them, the flags, and according to the pool report. The last one was really the only one I've discussed with him. Basically, it's for legal use of the hands, hands to the face, foul. To be a foul, we basically need some forceful contact that's prolonged to the head and neck area of the defender. So in his mind, he had pinned him back. It was prolonged, and that's what created the foul. Trey Flowers' quote after the game was, I didn't think hands to the chest was a penalty. (laughs) Yep. Yep. And that's what I saw. I saw hands around the chest, around the collar. I didn't see hands to the neck, didn't see hands to the face Yep. on both of them. Yeah, it was – Detroit is feeling the Tuesday blues, that's for sure. Yes. Uh, TJ Lang, former uh, NFL lineman, he had a, a, a tweet said, quote, in my 11 years involved with the NFL, I've never seen worse officiating than this year, and it's not even close. Is that the sense you get, that it's, it's gotten worse? Yeah. Ab- 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 absolutely, without a doubt. So you're just going into these games, holding your breath that there's not going to be some craptacular call that costs your team a game. If if the Titans had had any level of offensive competency on Sunday, that no call, that that call against Cortland Sutton, which was terrible, awful, dreadful. If the Titans have a good offense. That's the sort of call that could cost you the game because that was a three-point call. Took three points off the board for the Broncos. Maybe even a seven-point call if they end up scoring, if that is called correctly, which is to, for pass interference. I'll actually, on the defense, I'll actually go a step further and say, okay, fine, let's assume there's no call. Let's just say there's contact both sides. The ref keeps his flag in his pocket. Broncos keep possession. They probably get a field goal on that, right? They had enough time. Yep. Imagine what that could have cost you if it was a close game. Yep, 
Yep, and the the Broncos have experienced that this year. Yes, and, they have. And Kansas City on Thursday night, typically, even with bad teams as of recent, the Broncos play Kansas City close. Yes, it's the sort of game that could be decided by one call. The last three games between the teams, all decided by one score, all started by Patrick Mahomes, of course, including the first one of those being the uh, Week 17 game Paxton back in Lynch. 2017 <laughs> against Paxton Lynch. Oh, man. So how do you see this game unfolding? You see Joe Flacco looking like Patrick Mahomes out there? You see Patrick Mahomes taking off? Do you see it a one-possession game? I don't need your score right now, but how do you see this game I, after you've had another day to digest? I can see a one-possession game. The Broncos, sometimes they get a little bit cute. Sometimes Rich Gangarello tries to, I think, kind of show off some concepts in his play calling. This is not the game to get cute. This mm-hmm. is the game in which your goal is to establish authority in terms of dictating the pace Time of possession, you come out, you run the ball. And even if it's not there the way you want it to be, you keep running the football. You keep probing and testing this Chiefs front seven. What's the number for Joe Flacco that you want to see him drop back? What's what's a realistic winning number? Or a number that you say he can't go over? Number of dropbacks for Joe Flacco. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a percentage. Okay rather than a number. Do you want to see over 50% run? Oh, goodness, yes. (laughs) Because if the Broncos aren't doing that, then the worrisome thing is that the game is going counter to the flow of what they want. Let's just take a look at the Chiefs defensively, the run-pass distribution. Last week against Houston, Texans ran on 41 of 83 snaps, so just a tick under 50%. The week before against Indianapolis, 45 of 74 plays for the Colts were runs, 60.8%. The week before, 35 out of 73 for the Lions, 47.9%. The week before that against, it's interesting, Baltimore, the team you'd think run, run, run because you have Lamar Jackson. Of course, Baltimore did lose to the Chiefs. They ran on only 32 of 78 Mm. plays, so they were down at 41%. And then before that, Oakland was 19 out of 60, so that's just under 33%. And back in week one, Jacksonville was at 32%, falling behind early. So if you're the Broncos at – I think the minimum is 50%. I would say I want Joe Flacco dropping back to pass on no more than a minimum of 50% runs. I want Joe Flacco dropping back to pass no more often than on 45% of the snaps. Yeah, if if the Broncos are close to 60%, it means they won the game. And it means they stuck with their game plan all game. They didn't get a little nervous when they're down 7-0 at the end of the first quarter They and completely abandoned the run, which... We've seen plenty of times with quarterbacks like Case Keenum, Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler under center. You've got to have fidelity to your game plan here. 
you have to be you have to do the game plan that the Jacksonville Jaguars did when they beat the Broncos. They got down big. Now I know the Broncos offense is much different than the Chiefs offense, so they probably didn't feel as threatened about abandoning their game plan, but they didn't. They ran the ball for over 200 yards in the second half, most of that while down. That's what the Broncos are going to have to do, and they're also going to have to do what they've done the past three weeks, and that's come out hot, and it doesn't necessarily mean scoring touchdown after touchdown. Of course, that would be wonderful. It means running the ball well. Keep the Chiefs' offense off the field. Exactly. Yes, you're playing keep away in this game, and whatever happens early, don't lose your nerve. No. The Texans won Sunday in Kansas City because they didn't freak out when the Chiefs ripped their way down the field. Early touchdown, Carlos Hyde fumbles on the Texans' first offensive play after the Mahomes to Tyreek Hill touchdown pass. Chiefs get a quick field goal. The Texans came back, responded with a nice little 12-play, 49-yard, grinded-out drive. Then the Chiefs came back and scored on a touchdown pass, Mahomes to Damian Williams. So it's 17-3 there, right before the end of the first quarter. And then Houston comes out after the touchback on the kickoff. Quick little Carlos Hyde run for five. Short pass to Kiki Cutie. Carlos Hyde again, ending the first quarter. A pass. Carlos Hyde. Pass to Feld. Fells, Carlos Hyde, Carlos Hyde, another run, and then finally a short touchdown pass for Deshaun Watson. Ten plays, 75-yard drive, chewed up more than four minutes. You want want as many drives as possible, Zach, taking at least four minutes. Yeah, you cannot do what you did against the Titans where you had nine, ten series that were five plays or less, mm-hmm. you will get the bl- doors blown off you in front of your home crowd. Listen to this with Houston on Sunday. After that first one-play drive with the fumble, Houston's next three drives were ten, were 12, 10, and 12 plays. Oof. Each of them took off at least 4-13. Now at the end of the first half, they were in two-minute, they had to drive the end in a pick, but then KC fumbled right after that. They had a touchdown. So those were quick things. But they didn't get to the second half. Another 405 drive. And then drives a 626, 832, 503 to end the game. Yep, that's Three funny. of those were double digit plays. So that's overall 10 possessions for the Houston Texans. And if you take out the two in that two minute series, Zach. Nine or seven of those other eight were at least nine plays mm. and consumed at least four minutes. Mm. So four minutes and nine, and I'd say nine or ten plays. These are key numbers for the Broncos. The other thing is avoiding drives that go out with only one first down or, or fewer. That was a big problem. Ten of 13 non-kneel down drives Sunday against the Titans were one or zero first downs. It's exactly, exactly. And to do this, you've got to play within yourselves. Run the ball. Do what you do best. You can get a little bit creative at times. I like the notion of an occasional jet sweep from Philip Lindsay. If Emmanuel Sanders is playing, maybe you pull that off as well. But do some things in the flat. Show me Noah Fant against a linebacker in space. 
Show me Philip Lindsay or Royce Freeman getting yardage after the catch on short passes. Even though this is not a difficult defense to go up against, and they allow a lot, this is Rich Scangarello's hardest job up to this point in the season. Why? Because when you see Patrick Mahomes go out there and throw a 50-yard touchdown and they have back-to-back drives where it's five total plays and they have 14 points on the board and you have zero, three, six, seven, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, you're going to have to stay within yourself, just like you're saying, Mace. You're going to have to take a deep breath and say, okay, I'm not just going to call deep balls to Cortland Sutton back-to-back-to-back plays. I'm going to stick with what we do, and we're going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball, and then we'll do a play action. But I'm going to stick with what I do. And if he does that, gives the Bronx a chance. If he says, I'm going to try to chase Patrick Mahomes. Watch this. Joe Flacco is going to explode. He's going to have a career game. Well, you're going to have an embarrassing game. The way you match Patrick Mahomes is you match in terms of what your per possession output is. You don't match him by trying to respond to an explosive play with an explosive play of your own. So the good you match him by playing keep away. The good news, Mace, is this defense gives up a lot. They give up a lot of yards. They give up a lot of first downs. They give up a lot of passing yards. But their biggest weakness is they give up a ton of rushing yards. The only time they've held a team under 100 rushing yards this season was all the way back in week one that same Jacksonville Jaguars team that had 269 rushing yards against the Broncos, ironically. Yeah, because the Raiders, they had nine, only 19 carries in week two, and they averaged 6.8 yards a pop. Yeah, and then the, the next week, the third week, they give up 203 rushing yards to the Ravens. Yes, and then a buck 86 to Detroit, and then a buck 80 to the Colts. But remember this, the Colts were patient. It wasn't a spectacular ground game for Indianapolis. It was only four yards a carry. Even last Sunday against the Texans, it's a, it's a solid, above-average run game, run game for Houston. 4.7 yards per carry. So if you're not getting those chunk runs, don't worry. Stick with it. Fidelity to your game plan. And again, I love the fact that Houston was down two scores early. 14 down 10 then down 14 points at the end of the first quarter and what did they do exactly what their game plan said they needed to do and that allowed themselves the time to crawl back into the game unfortunately that sort of resolute fidelity to your game plan and trusting in what your strengths are I don't know if the Broncos are there yet. I don't know that they've had enough offensive success to where they trust themselves to say, okay, we're going to stick with this here. And that is my big concern. If you really think you're close, they keep saying we're close, we're close, we're right there, and you really believe in what you're doing, then if the Chiefs come out with those explosive plays and get a lead on you, you can't blink. Keep doing what your game plan on offense suggested it was As long as that game plan was, we're going to come out, we're going to establish the run. Because your best chance of beating the Chiefs is grinding down the Chiefs. Mace, if I told you the Broncos had more rushing yards than passing yards in this game, but that's all you know. You you don't know the numbers. Is that a winning game plan for the Broncos or a losing game plan? Do they win or lose it? They win. Yeah. Because I doubt 
that they have more rushing yards than passing yards, but they have some craptacular passing total like 85 yards. <laughs> right. And Not against this defense. Yards. Exactly. Not against this Kansas City defense. It's getting gashed too often. Now, I agree with you. Now, what if I told you that the passing yards, stick with the same formula, more rushing yards and passing yards, and the passing yards were 151? Winning or losing? Oh, that's winning. Yep. And that's exactly what happened two weeks ago when the Colts went into Kansas City, which Mm -hmm. is even more difficult than what the Broncos have in task. The Colts threw for 151 yards, but Jacoby Brissett did enough because their running game went for 180. That's a winning formula because it keeps the Kansas City Chiefs offense off the field and it just grinds down their defense so that when you need Joe Flacco to come up big in the fourth quarter, well, that KC defense is just so worn out. Yeah, and what was Brissett in that game? He was 18 of 29 for a buck 51, but he wasn't sacked. For Jacoby Brissett, that's huge. Yep. Because sacks, pass rush, that's been a problem for him. Yep. And he, here's what else I'm seeing in this game. The Chiefs do a lot. On everything, everything with their team, they do a lot. On offense, they score a lot. They get a lot of first downs. They pass a lot. They're capable of running the ball. They, they've gone for over 100 yards in half of their games. They've also gone for under 54 yards in the other half of the game. So they're really hit or miss with the run, but they can do it. And then on defense, as we said, they give up a lot of yards. They give up a lot of yards through the air. They give up a ton of yards on the ground. On offense, Recently, they've turned the ball over a lot. They have six turnovers in their last three games. Two a game, that's a lot for a great offense. But on defense, they take the ball away a lot. This is a team that they have a, they've had a takeaway in every game but one, and they've had multiple games in four of their six games. So this is just a, 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 an a lot team. You're facing a team that can do a lot. Yeah. Because they had, let's see, they had the one interception against Brissett. They had no picks the week four against Detroit, but two fumble recoveries. So, yeah, it was that Ravens game. You know, people think Lamar Jackson is a turnover waiting to happen. He didn't give <laughs> yeah. away the ball against Kansas City. Something that's missing from the Chiefs the last couple of weeks, though, and part of it is the run emphasis, sacks. No sacks in the last two games for Kansas City. Mm. And in the first four games, they had 12 sacks. Mm. Three a game. It's a big difference. Yes. As the Broncos know. Or 11 sacks, pardon me, so just under three a game. Huge. Broncos are coming in. They're feeling their oats when it comes to the pass rush the last three weeks. (laughs) Even though they didn't get a sack of Phil Rivers, pressure was part and parcel to what they were doing. You need to keep that up. Now, granted, the Chiefs' offensive line is in a little better state than that of the Chargers' offensive line, and the Titans' offensive line is just a mess right now. It is, and Mace, I like something you said. You said if you want to feel your oats, and if you want to feel your oats, make sure you check out Breckenridge Brewery. We love what they do over at Breckenridge Brewery. We love every single one of their beers. And you know what? We're doing a little transitioning here at DNVR. Just got word that our beer fridges at the office have now been transferred over to Vanilla Porter. We still got some Colorado core in there, but we're kind of feeling the, the, the cold weather coming in, definitely embracing the Colorado core, the fall beer. It's, it's really the perfect fall beer. Had some over the weekend, and that's just the best way to describe it, the perfect fall beer. And then, of course, with the chilly weather comes the Porter time. Mace, I just love how you described it. The, the Michael Vanilla Porter Jr. 
And so make sure you, you guys have some. And something that I want you guys to do, especially because, heck, we could, we could say tomorrow's the beginning of the weekend. We could say tomorrow's a Friday since the Broncos play on Thursday this week. I want you guys to send us some screenshots or, or, or some pictures of you, of, of you drinking some Breckenridge Brewery. Maybe you can still find some Strawberry Sky out there, some Colorado Cord. Let us know what you're drinking and because uh, we, we love hearing from you. We, they support us. You support us. We support you. It's 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 a love triangle that that we have with all of us. Love triangles aren't <laughs> usually positive, though. This is more of a group hug. A group hug. I like it. Yes, I like it. Love triangles involve some backstabbing, and we're talking <laughs> about like soap opera type stuff going on here. We know there's no soap opera stuff going on with Breckenridge Brewery and you guys and how much you love them and how much we love them. So a group hug, a big group hug, and after that group hug. You may need to check out The Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. So get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest green solution for pickup. And make sure when you do this, make sure you use the code DNVR20 and you'll get 20% off your entire purchase. That's code dnvr 20 and you'll get 20% off everything that you order. So check them out at Green Solution. All right, Mace, should we listen to the listeners? Should we reach out to the community? Should we hear what the people have to say? Well, they reached out to us, so (laughs) it's only right to extend a hand of friendship and fellowship (laughs) and reach back to our listeners. Let's go to the comments section. Let's start with Kirk Smith, 44. It's finally here, my first trip to Denver for a home game, leaving from Syracuse Wednesday for four days in Mile High. Hopefully we can keep this momentum going and have a good game on Thursday night. What are some things I need to do while I'm in Denver, going to a few breweries and doing a stadium tour, but hoping for some must-go stops from the local Broncos guys? Keep it up and hoping to stop by pregame for a few Breck brews. That's what I was going to say. Your, your first order of business is, of course, going to the game, but right before the game, stopping by the amazing tailgate we have. Yes, Lot N. We're organizing this, of course, with the Sons of Mile High they put on a great show, and of course, I've said, hey, take the day off, take the next day off. If you want to make sure that you're completely covered as far as being okay, not having a drive, you can take an Uber or a Lyft down to the stadium a lot, and you can also take the light rail. If you go, uh, I believe it's the first stop on the, uh, the, the W line, the West line, is that what it's called? I think so. Yes. As you go out toward Golden, that first stop is perfectly situated. Yep. It's not more than a three-minute walk nope. from from the stop to Lot N and the tailgate for the Sons of Mile High and DNVR. Come on out. Enjoy what should be a perfect football day. It looks like oh it's going to be about 80 God. degrees in the afternoon. 70 at kickoff. Yeah, I would bring a light jacket because it's going to cool down during the course of the game. You're going to need it, but just enjoy what should be a perfect night for football here in Colorado in October. Other things, let's talk about some you know, local restaurants. Sports column. Yeah. Blake Street Tavern. Yep. Yeah. They're friends of the program. They're friends of the program. Great places to go. But also, that puts you in a great part of downtown. Both of them do. Yes. You're not far from Coors Field, of course. And uh, that's a quick jaunt on the Uber. You can even uh, catch some light rail and then get around and get from there over to 
the stadium. Or if you're feeling a little frisky, you want to take a long walk. It's the kind of thing I would do. I love my <laughs> yeah. long strolls. Go ahead and uh, take, I think, about probably about an hour yep. walk or so. Yep. If you want to just get, or get a little workout in, do that. I love it. I love it. And on your way there, stop by Union Station. That also puts you in a great part of Ooh, town. Oh, yes. Uh, that, that, that's kind of the area I think you'll want to be in. Yeah, and of course, Union Station, they've refurbished that in the last few years. And it's something that I would say everyone coming to Denver should make sure that they visit. I'm actually looking this up here. Um, I think it's the Decatur Federal Stop Okay. that I believe is the one that is— uh, closest to the sons of mile high parking lot yeah that's uh that sounds right so so make sure you check us out and kirk smith i look forward to meeting you on thursday night that's man two days away from game day mm-hmm. next one coming in from lasagna lance he says man mace i knew you were intelligent but you blow me away with how seamlessly you pull random facts out of nowhere on every topic discussed i mean it really is incredible i, I don't know if you guys noticed but he did that multiple times already on this pod he says you guys cover the broncos so well i can't ever really think of a good question so i'm happy to ask irrelevant ones (laughs) one what is your favorite movie man when it comes right down to it i have to go back to my old love and that's star wars Mm. um the best star wars film is the empire strikes back (laughs) yes it's the one where the bad guys run roughshod over the good guys (laughs) I don't know. To me, The Empire Strikes Back, it it was more than just a, a sci-fi space opera type movie. I think, to me, it's a story of persistence and resilience. It's beautifully shot. Some of the cinematography in that film is breathtaking, especially for uh, what you would normally expect from a, a sci-fi type of movie. I think it, it was one of those films that raised the bar for what that genre could be. And Star Wars... It hasn't matched that since. I mean, I enjoy Star Wars, but the prequels weren't very good. To me, the only Star Wars film since then that has come close to that is Rogue One. And is it a spoiler to say that everybody dies in the end? (laughs) Maybe there's something about me that just likes the darker movies where the shadow of death and depression (laughs) is lingering over everything. (laughs) Kind of like the Broncos season, maybe? (laughs) <laughs> no, not the last couple of weeks. Not the last couple of weeks. You're right. My, Your favorite movie? Uh, I'm a sucker for the Ocean series. Ocean's okay. 11, 12. Love those. Also, got to go with my mom's favorite, Gladiator. Ooh, okay. Lo- lo- love that movie. Seen about 500 times. All right. Two, have you ever dunked your PB&J in a glass of milk? No. I've never even heard of anyone doing that. I guess now I have. Uh, no way. No. I-, I love peanut butter and jelly too much to do that. The good thing about a cookie dipping it in milk is it's, is it's hard so that if it gets a little soft, it's okay. A PB&J, you're just ruining it upon contact. And just think about this. If you don't like soggy cereal, a soggy sandwich, a soggy PB&J sandwich <laughs> is worse. Exactly. Three, regardless of its spelling, how do you pronounce the... Uh, Peanut butter cup. The, exactly. I, Reese's. 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 Not Reese's. It's not like Reese's. a Reese's monkey. <laughs> a what monkey? Reese's monkey. I've never heard of that. R H E S U S. R H. I still never heard of that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All thanks as always. Hashtag Mace for president. My wife says I should run for office because <laughs> I complain all the time. She's like, "Well, when are you?" Like, I, I actually was proposed was talking about the idea I have that I would love to see somebody campaigning for president 
run with a promise to push forward the Government Accountability Act Mm. if they are elected to ensure things like that that things are dealt with in an expeditious time frame. Mm. No more political games of saying, oh, well, we're not going to hear this Supreme Court nomination now. Put a time frame on it. I feel like loopholes have been exploited over the last decade or so in Congress. Stuff Stuff like that that is designed to basically close the loopholes that have been so callously and cynically exploited and get the federal government functioning. Do you want to yeah. announce your, uh, your, your start of your campaign well, right the, now? The pr- I should, but the thing is, <laughs> the, the problem with campaigning on something like that is it's not sexy, it's not snappy, it's very politically wonkish. Right. That's why I probably, probably would get no traction if I ever ran for office. <laughs> so, anyway, DNVR for life. Love that handle, by the mm-hmm. way. Hello there, gents. A couple of housekeeping notes I want to hit on. Number one, I got my wife a DNVR shirt and my six-month-old son, a Bronco shirt, and I have to say that your shirts are the absolute best. Hey. Thank you. I just wish I could get my kids a shirt from you guys as well. We love supporting you guys and wear them every Sunday. We haven't lost since my wife got your shirt, just saying. Hey. It's a magic touch. Yeah. You know what? I think there could be an Alexander Johnson shirt. Mmm. A, uh, you, a raptor. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. How many more weeks until uh, until it's justified? Uh, two. Two? Okay. Another couple of good games here. And, the season. The, and then you could have a shirt rolled out for November. And what a great holiday gift uh, that would be. That would be perfect. And Especially Alexander for Jones. kids. Yes, exactly. It, it, kids love dinosaurs. My kid <laughs> would wear that. Number two, I love all the different takes on the podcast. It helps me to see the bigger picture. And it's fun to see who was right the most. Sorry, guys. I think Ryan has you there. <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, Ryan's not here today. <laughs> <laughs> Bunch of wrong takes being thrown at you today. Well, I think Ryan's got the good predictions. Right, exactly. He's got the he's got the bold predictions down. Whatever he wakes up with, it's gonna blow my mind when he's wrong. <laughs> anyway, Re- remember he predicted the Broncos to go nine and seven. Mace and I were both at eight and eight, so he's not looking the the most right there. There's time. <laughs> if they win this game, they can get to nine and seven. Exactly. I can't believe I'm saying that, but yep. yes. Yep. Number three for Pat. Number four. I know Mace and Zach disagree with Ryan on this take, but I want to back Ryan on if it's in the best interest for the Broncos to go 7-9 or 8-8. Eight eight. Personally, as a fan, I would like to see us be competitive in all these games coming up and winning a few of them. It would be naive of me to think we will win out and take the division away from the Chiefs, but I want to see us play solid defense and complementary offense. I believe it would change the culture in the locker room and this franchise moving forward. We would still be able to get some great talent in the middle of the draft, i.e. Derwin James. The players need to win, the coaches need to win, and the fans need to win. Sometimes hope and belief is greater than talent. Here's the only thing with that. In most situations going 7-9 and nine or 8-8, eight and eight, you don't play Drew Locke. And I believe John Elway would say, we went 8-4 and four with Joe Flacco after the, after the bad start, or we went 7-5 and five. We're trending in the right direction, and that's where we're going to go. And no disrespect to Joe. I guess this is the disrespectful truth to Joe Flacco is Joe Flacco has not been bad this year. He's pretty much been exactly the Joe Flacco that he was for 11 years in Baltimore. So I don't want to sit here for an offseason after this year and say, 
you know what? I think Joe Flacco's really turned a corner. I think he's going to be so different. I think he's going to throw for 5,000 yards, uh, 40 touchdowns, which still isn't like crazy a lot, but that would be huge for him, and 10 interceptions. No, he's probably going to put another 18, 19 touchdown, 13 interception, 3,800-yard season together, and at 38 at most, and uh, that's what you get. And you see in the NFL, that can work when the Ravens won the Super Bowl. That worked when Joe Flacco. He also caught fire. It can work when you have an all-time great defense, but that's not the formula to success for long-term success, and that's what I want to see the Broncos have is long-term success, and you need a different quarterback, and that's why I think you need to find out what Drew Locke does. And now, sure, if the Broncos are, what, 2-8, and eight, and then they put Drew Locke in and he goes 6-0, and oh, well, of course I love that scenario. I absolutely love it because then you know Drew Locke's a the guy, then you're certainly okay with picking 15 or 18 and getting a great defensive player, getting offensive lineman, getting anything there. But that scenario is just so slim. So I'm absolutely sold on that scenario, but it's just not realistic. You know, I want to take a look at where Joe Flacco stood among NFL quarterbacks. And I know passer rating is a flawed metric, but it's interesting to look at the overall passer efficiency for Joe Flacco. Right now, he's at 87.4. So if you look over the course of his career, his season-long passing efficiency ratings, that is fifth best in his career. So it's right there in that middle third. So he's not having a bad season by his standards. He's having actually an above-average season. (laughs) And where does that rank this year? Of the 30 quarterbacks with at least 100 attempts, that places him 22nd, yeah, which is what we've fact. talked about with Joe Flacco. Yep. He's a lower middle-tier quarterback. Yep, the disrespectful truth. It is what it is. Yep. He's thrown an interception in five consecutive games. Remember we were having this discussion about Case Keenum last year, all of us in our <laughs> yep. various spots? Yep. Oh, Keenum's good for a pick a game. Yep. Yeah, again— if you miss the playoffs and Drew Locke doesn't get out there, the season is a failure. Yep. Period. And that's where I think 7-9, and 8-8 eight and eight gets you, is you obviously miss the playoffs, and most likely you don't see Drew. Yeah. Number five, I have come to realize how reactionary the fans are. If we lose, they are, oh, no, we suck again. <laughs> you got to do it like uh, Rob Schneider in Waterboy, I guess. My, mine was terrible. And if we win, oh, we went out and make the playoffs, taking a step back from emotions, and we have them because we care. We can see that this is a team with some great young players, a great coaching staff. Hopefully we remember that this is their first time in their respective positions. And we have to ride out the bumps and hurdles that come along with that. As Phil so perfectly said, quote, the obstacle may seem big, but the glory of overcoming it will always be bigger, unquote. Let's back these Broncos up, win or lose, because it's about the journey that makes us who we are, not the finish. I'm looking forward to seeing and being part of the process that gets us back on top. Thanks for letting me share my thoughts. I hope you guys can keep growing as a community, and I will help you guys as much as I can. Shaka. We, nice. l- we love you, DNVR for life. Thanks for chiming in. Next one coming in 
from Mark Shippers. He says, hey guys, I'd put my Kansas City hatred higher than anyone's out there. I was the guy who commented last year before the AFC Championship game that my family and I have an agreement that if we could get it get it in writing from the NFL that Casey will never win a Super Bowl again, that we would sacrifice someone in the family. Probably just draw straws or something. Uh, <laughs> wow. That's a little much there. <laughs> Back in 2013, when I was a junior in high school, our, football te- our high school football team was interviewed by the Kansas City star a paper in kc this was the lat this was late in the year and we were playing in the state semifinals that week also the newspaper was trying to locate the line in the state where denver fans outnumber kc fans so they asked our team i'm from western kansas way closer to denver than kc then after they pulled us they interviewed one kc fan and one denver fan which was me and we gave our two cents on the upcoming game between them that was the that was the one when Casey was undefeated and Denver lost in India a couple weeks prior. I predicted a 35 to 13 Denver win and just talked crap on their entire franchise for the 15 second video. LOL. The video was on the paper's website, but I can't find it anymore. I was at that game. Denver won 27 to 17, so I'm predicting the same score and will be at this game Thursday as well and have Friday off of work. So ready to have a few Breck beers with you guys and hopefully some fun and intelligent conversations. Sorry for the long post. Go Denver, FKC, and go DNVR, Mark in Kansas. And then he also added the video link. So if you want to go watch the video of Mark Shippers talking trash on KC for 15 seconds, go look in the comment section. You know, I was thinking something as you're reading that comment from Mark. Where is the line of longitude that the Bronco chief dichotomy achieves balance? Hmm. Is it, say, a line of longitude even with perhaps... Hayes, Dodge City, Garden City? Is it all the way at Goodland, which is really in the extreme western part of the state? Wouldn't wouldn't those maps that they draw say it's pretty darn close to Kansas City? It's probably closer to Kansas City than you think. You think it's as close as, say, Salina or Manhattan? I doubt that. Pro- probably not. No, I, there's it, no way. It certainly doesn't trickle into Colorado at all. No, no, no. And I, I don't think it goes very far into Kansas, but it would be interesting to figure out where that is. It I would mean, be. You know, Dodge City was kind of the first city that popped into mind, of course. It's in southwestern Kansas. If you saw National Lampoon's Vacation, mm-hmm. yep. I think he stops in Dodge City. Mm-hmm. There's also the town of Coolidge. <laughs> That's where uh, Cousin Eddie lives <laughs> with... Uh, <laughs> With Ann Edna. So what do you think? That's a good question. Now, the Broncos Radio Network has eight affiliates okay. in the state of Kansas, according to the page on KOA's website, including one in Wichita. Okay. That's pretty far yeah. into Kansas, yeah. Kansas City Chiefs territory. Most of the affiliates are Dodge City, Garden City, Goodland, Hayes, Salina, I'd say the it's probably on a line of longitude, even with Dodge City. Maybe it goes all the way to Hayes, which is sort of the start of Western Kansas. Once you get past Hayes, you are ba- on I seventy. You are basically in frontier territory. So Broncos country extends into Kansas. Yes, and <laughs> if anyone is listening in Western Kansas or anywhere in Kansas. 
In fact, that'll be our place shout-out for the day. Kansas. <laughs> if you're a it. Broncos fan in the great state of Kansas, please reach out to us. Let us know where you are and tell us what you think. Am I just talking out of my rear end and theorizing <laughs> where the line is between Broncos country and Chiefs kingdom? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Or Chiefs. I don't know. Not That's what kingdom, they call it. Chiefs, Chiefs kingdom. <laughs> yeah. The Manning faced God. Sorry, Zach and Mace. But I 100% agree with Ryan. I would rather the Broncos finish 7-9 or 8-8 eight eight than go 4-12 and or worse. The Broncos are a winning franchise and needs to get back to that. Okay, I got to interject something here. 7-9 is not winning. 8-8 eight is not winning. <laughs> People have lost sight of what yes. the Broncos' standards are. I would get it if you said 9-7. and seven. <laughs> Right. Of course, now he says, not that I'm saying 7 or 9 or 8 and 8 makes you a winning franchise, but from what we have gone through through the Vance era, that would definitely be a step in the right direction. But it, it doesn't always happen on a straight incline. Yep. Sometimes you make the progress and you fall back. It's not always that way. Yep. Like Ryan said, the winning culture is something that young players need to experience and get used to and not that world of suck. I believe with a season like 7-9 and nine or 8-8, eight and eight, Elway and Fangio can build the roster they want in the offseason and get back a healthy Bradley Chubb for next year. Also, we have the toughest or second toughest schedule in the NFL. Imagine what we can be with a moderate schedule if we finish 7-9 or 8-8. Eight and eight. Sorry for the long comment. Thanks, guys. Okay, okay, wait. So the Broncos are going to have an easier schedule finishing 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight than they had at 6-10. and, 10. and Well, it's, and, it's about the schedule is overwhelmingly about what divisions you're paired against. So right. let's take a look at what divisions the Broncos are partnered with, the Broncos and the AFC West are partnered with in 2020. In AFC play, they face the AFC East. You have home games with Buffalo and Miami. Miami, okay. That's a win. I'm actually going to say right now, looking way ahead to 2020, I'm going to put the home game against Miami in Sharpie right now. Me Say too. Say it's a win. Me okay. too. Buffalo, not so much. Definitely not. Okay. You're playing at the Jets. That's tough. It, if they, they look, look like the a completely different did. team yeah. with Sam Darnold. It's only one game. And but remind you, re- let me remind yeah. you, Sam Darnold and Josh Allen are going to be year three then. And Sam Darnold is in year two with Adam Gase. Right. In 2020. And then, of course, at the Patriots. So, to me, that's that's tough. That's that, that's probably two and two, right? It, it could realistically be. Realistically, two and two. Yeah. Thinking positively and realistically, two and two. Now, from the NFC, you are at Carolina, at Atlanta, home to Tampa Bay and New Orleans. That's where it gets interesting because I think the the toughest one at this point does look like New Orleans. They're actually, to their credit right now, they're finding a defense. Yep. And we don't know if Drew Brees will be their quarterback next year, but they're proving that they can win with a completely different formula than they won with in the last few years. Teddy Bridgewater isn't making mistakes. Looks like he's got some potential. And Carolina... Really too early to tell. Let's see how the Kyle Allen thing goes. Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay, that's one that, yeah, you're probably going to win. Pains me to say that. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I could see the Bucks having a new quarterback in 2020. Then the question becomes, is it a veteran quarterback or is it a young quarterback? Right. Is Bruce Arians looking for a reclamation project like he had 
with Carson Palmer in Arizona that works so well. If that's the case, I'd keep another ex-Bengal, potentially, if he is an ex-Bengal by then in mind, Andy Dalton. Looking at this, Mace, I I can't sit and look at that and say much easier schedule. I think it's still going to be a tough schedule. But the NFC South, I think, looks better than the NFC North does this year. The NFC North is the best division in football Yep, this year. Yeah. And that's part of the problem. And if you're looking for why the Broncos have this tough schedule by winning percentage of their foes, it's because the NFC North, I think, has a good chance of having all four teams finish 500 or better. Definitely. Definitely. That's the way it's looking right now. Next one coming in from Sir James Radio. It says, guys, I'm very taken aback at the lack of urgency out of everyone. Garrett Bowles has been missing for three weeks. I'm very concerned about it. Should we get missing person signs up on every can and bottle of Breckenridge brews? I'm just worried that he's somewhere out there all alone and scared. The Mike Munchak effect has finally taken a hold, and it's really just a glorious thing to see. Well, he did have a hold on Sunday. He did. It was declined. And, of course, he did his little thing where he put his hands up and like, I didn't do it. No, you tackled the guy, dude. Just take the L and go on to the next play. Don't draw more attention. But a concern right now is Ron Leary's spate of penalties. He's racking up penalties more than Garrett Bowles is right now. It's bad. Yeah. So, anyway. Next one's for you, Mace. Of course, because it's our friend, the Count, (laughs) Count Flacula. Mace's raptor story is fang sharp or, quote, lit, unquote, as you mortals seem to inculcate. Read it or listen to it if you like really rad journalism that isn't stuck in the 80s or full of steaming takes and doggerel verse. The Count approves. Zach approves, too, Mace. It was a heck of a story. Everything, Everything about it. Thank the headline, you. the photo, the story, everything is fantastic. Got a little help on the headline. So if ma- ma- make sure, if you want to read that story, make sure you subscribe to DNVR to get all of our content. And what it, what it equates to is you're giving us each three cents a day. So if we're worth three cents to you, might as well give us your three cents, right? Yeah. <laughs> Two cents, three cents, whatever. Man. Anyway, from Count Flacule again. Today is my birthday. I lost count at 700, but I'll keep saying I'm about 750 until I turn 1,000. If we beat that Kansas City ball club on Thursday, I plan on extending my partying for about a fortnight. Love it. Quick query. 22 Janos would be great, right? But who be the player taking body size, skills, et cetera, that would actually be the best player to have 22 of if your whole team had to be made up of that guy? I'm voting Chubb. Love the count. Chubb's a great choice because uh-huh. he does have some speed, even though he's big, 269 pounds. You've got some bigger tight ends that are pushing up to about 270. You've got some you know, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, of course, that'd be a little bit small, but you can make plays there. Has there been a quarterback that big? I mean, Cam Newton didn't reach no. that level of no. size. No, no but th- it's him. It's, yeah. it's Chubb because he can play offensive line, defense, anywhere. More than Von Miller. Yes. I'd say. With the with the added 25 pounds. Yep. Yeah. All right. Next one coming in from Chef Adam L. He says, not hearing anyone talking about it, but do you guys have an issue with us going five wide on third and short? As a running team, we have to always make the opponent think they are running. I don't hate passing. I hate not having the option to run in those situations. Big problem. I hate empty backfield sets when you do not have a quarterback who is capable of an explosive play on the ground. And while... Joe Flacco has shown his <clears throat> nimbleness <laughs> on occasion 
in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, he's not the most fleet of foot. You don't say. Yeah, I think it's pretty obvious, right? <laughs> Although I thought the fact that uh, in the Charger game that his run was the only successful third-down conversion the Broncos had in the last three quarters of that game was pretty stunning. What would they do without Joe's wheels? <laughs> the jalopy would crash, right? And I just love making you make those noises. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I have a big problem with it, and it's my least favorite formation in the Broncos package. Because, again, you're tipping yourself off. You're saying, okay, we're going to pass here. I like to give the opponent something to think about. I also, But I do get why teams do it. But if you have a mobile quarterback, you could do an empty backfield set and a linebacker would probably be forced to stay at home in the box because you'd have the threat of a run. So you'd somewhere on the outside, you'd have a numbers advantage. But because Joe Flacco doesn't have the wheels to make an explosive play on the ground. When you empty the backfield, you take that advantage out because the linebacker safety was in the box. It's kind of last man there. He's free to go handle coverage responsibilities if you got, on the outside. If you got Patrick Mahomes, I'm all for it. If you got Joe Flacco, I'm not all for it. You know what? If you have Drew Locke, yep. I'm all for it. Yep. Because Drew Locke's got some wheels. Yep, exactly. And he can make some plays happen with his legs. Oklahoma Bronco, 58. Two things. Number one, this weekend I went to Dallas for the OU-Texas game. Boomer Sooner and Tuck Fexus. (laughs) And while I was there, I finally found Strawberry Sky while I guzzled down just about every beer in sight this weekend. (laughs) I sat down to savor the Strawberry Sky, and man, it was amazing. Nothing like what I had envisioned, (laughs) but so much better than I ever imagined. Got to figure out a way to get it in Norman. Or maybe not, because I'd be broke. (laughs) So listen to Oklahoma Bronco, guys. Yes. Number two, watching the Monday night game. Officiating cost the Lions the game tonight. Officiating has been so inconsistent this year in league wide, the Broncos have fallen victim to it as well. Is there just no accountability with the officials or what? Whatever it is, I'm tired of it. I watch football for the football, not the Zebras. Yeah, I think you'll love our first segment talk there, Oklahoma Bronco. This is true. (laughs) I'm so glad the Broncos are starting to bring the joy back to my NFL viewing experience. Hopefully we keep it up Thursday against the Chiefs. Man, it'll be be so freaking fun if they win and and they actually start rolling. And if they beat the Chiefs, I think you can say the Broncos are rolling. Next one coming in from Rich Dude. He says, I'd love to see some six lineman sets versus this Chiefs team. Kind of the exact opposite of the five wide mace. Well, if Jawan James is not healthy and it doesn't appear that he's trending in that direction to be ready for Thursday night, do you have enough offensive linemen you trust to be able to go with 6-0 linemen? Yeah, there won't be 6-0 linemen. Yeah, because that means you're putting in Austin Schlotman or Jake Rogers. If Don't see that happening. Nah, I certainly don't either. If he is back, though, I mean, Elijah Wilkinson has started more games than Jawan James, so might as well just keep him out there as six starting offensive linemen. Perhaps. The original Mario. I thought the amount of Drew Locke comments were hilarious. <laughs> but seriously, if Flacco goes three for 25 with three picks and we somehow still win, will we still start him? I hope the refs don't blow the game for us. Okay. <laughs> oh, all right. So he has worse I than would a Tim love Tebow to game. see this game <laughs> if Joe Flacco completes 12% of his passes with at least 25 attempts and has three picks and the Broncos somehow win. <laughs> What the hell happened <laughs> elsewhere? Did Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman combine for like 400 rushing yards? Did the defense have two pick sixes? 
And was Deont- did Deontay Spencer have a punt return for a touchdown? I would love to see this game, even though the quarterback play would likely make me want to gouge my eyeballs out. <laughs> and also, did you get a new offensive coordinator midway through the game? <laughs> yeah, uh, man, I, I think that's actually the type of game where if it was like that and say he had, he was like two for 17 and had two picks, believe it or not, I think you'd see Brandon Allen. Uh, here's the thing, Mace. I think you'd have to see that type of performance in back-to-back weeks. Because I think they go to, to Joe Flacco the next game. I agree. They wouldn't. It would be a okay. You're off today. Yeah. It's not your day. Yeah. Sort of like a in baseball when a starting pitcher just comes out and gives up like seven runs in the top of the first, and you're like, okay, dude. Right. Just not your day. Get him next time in the rotation. We're gonna try to get back into this with our long relief. Exactly. Next one coming in from Iceman. He says, hey, boys, firstly, your takes of if and buts were candy and nuts. We could beat the Chiefs was hilarious. If all it, we all had such a great Sunday in Alamosa with the kids watching the Chiefs lose the Broncos D. Actually keep his- saying chefs, by the way. Oh, yes, you're right. Chefs. <laughs> you remember the uh, Snickers commercial? Yep. <laughs> yep. Looks great. But who are the chefs? <laughs> great googly moogly. <laughs> we had a great Sunday in Alamosa with the kids watching the chefs lose. The Broncos D win one for Mr. B. And my man Champ and the Superchargers losing in L.A. It seems Vic has got his groove back much like Stella did. Nice. Broncos winning another game for Vic but ending up not playing Drew. A total failure in 2019. Lot N and two nights would be fun for sure. Ryan, it should take 42 points to beat the Chiefs. The Iceman prediction for the start of week number seven, Broncos 42, Chiefs 35. I have Vicks D with three scores. Okay, if that scenario happened, that would be a whack and fun game. <laughs> yes, it certainly would be. I would love to see that. We all deserve that. Yes. Sunny Rain. For all the hype and wanting to see what Drew Locke brings to the table, I know that he's being asked to play the position in a system where what's old is new. While there are a few sprinkles of current concepts, but it's mostly Daddy Shanahan's offense. (laughs) I don't care who the QB is. If he's playing in a system that doesn't best fit his skill set, you're not going to get that player's true ceiling. And Drew Locke, in my opinion, doesn't fit the system. In this system, Locke is going to be forced to gear down and play confined. That's not who this kid is at all. Watch. Locke in this system has an Andy Dalton ceiling at best. Middle tier, not enough. Jake Farmer, Jacob Easton would be better fit for what they want to do, in my opinion. And I don't like either player very much, but they do fit the boring, old, fogey football Elway seems to crave. Yeah, Mace, we could, and we probably will, potentially spend an entire offseason talking about this. But Sonny Rain, no, I'm not going to disagree with you at all because you have to play to your quarterback's strengths. All your players' strengths. How many times we talk about Noah Fant? They're trying to jam a square peg into the round hole when they're asking him to block extensively. You're asking for complete failure if you do it with your quarterback. Yes. And that's the problem I have with coaches who are scheme-dependent rather than adapting what they have to the players. Now, Vic Fangio has his scheme, but historically his scheme has had various iterations based on the players that he possesses. And we're seeing Vic now that he's got a real good grasp of what he has personnel-wise, tailor what he has to the strengths and mask the deficiencies 
in his defense, and that's how you get that shutout on Sunday. You're, you're exactly right. And before we move on, I got to tell you guys about Symbio Tax, and this is your new alternative for addressing your tax needs. Symbio Tax Administration provides its clients with honest and knowledgeable tax service from a licensed professional. You guys know we're all about taking care of our own. And George over at Symbiotax is a proud DNVR subscriber and a diehard Avs fan. Whether you have a small business, you're looking to rent out a room in your house, or you just need to get your tax return filed, go to a qualified professional to understand your tax requirements. Don't end up at one of those retail tax chains. Call Symbiotax today for a free consultation. Give them a call at 720-366-4470 or visit them at symbiotax.com. That's S-Y-M-B-I-O tax.com. Make sure you tell them DNVR sent you and give a shout out to George while, while you're at it. Next one coming in from Lone Star Bronco. He says, I have to give Elway credit. It seems he moved Tlaib at the right time. Tlaib has been injured most of the time since he left. I saw a random take on Twitter claiming Bradley Chubb was detrimental to the defense. I think even with missed tackles, there's no way he could do more harm than good. What do you think? We cannot skip over Jano's huge eight-yard reception. The man got paid and produced, LOL. Yeah, Bradley Chubb's positives outweigh the negatives. 100%. And some of those missed tackles are in the backfield, and he's actually setting up players to make stops on the run in particular because he's in pursuit. Are you worried about his tackling abilities moving forward? No. I'm not either, and I think that's where it stands. Because he's a fundamentally sound tackler, and the fundamentals are not going to vanish just because he's doing injury rehab. He was a fundamentally sound tackler at North Carolina State as well. So exactly. I don't think that's going to change. Otis Lockweather. Hey guys, looking forward to the tailgate Thursday. Just found out that my wife and I will be having a baby boy. So little Otis Jr. gets to come to his first rivalry game. Hey, congratulations. congratulations. See y'all in a couple of days for some damn good beers and damn good football. Can't, we we hope wait. it's damn good football. Yeah, exactly. Can't wait to meet you, Otis. Next one coming in from World of Suck. We hope it's not that, Mace. I love Ryan's take that the Broncos finishing 7-9 would be a good thing. I've been on the boat for a while now. Picking high in the draft is nice, but I think that reestablishing the Broncos as a winning franchise is priority number one, even more important than playing Drew Locke. But, just it just uh, reminds me of it just reminds me of what May said. Seven and nine is not winning. Neither is eight and eight. To me, the most ideal scenario is that the Broncos are something like six and four in the final ten games, with Drew winning a couple meaningless spoiler games at home in weeks sixteen and seventeen. That's a perfectly cromulent take. That positions us to be a realistic playoff contender in twenty twenty with a young core that will only continue to improve. Question for you guys. If Drew Locke comes out slinging the rock, leading the Broncos to a couple W's to close out the season around 8-8, eight and eight, does that sway any of the veteran free agents to stick around and be part of the lifeboat? Take them case by case. Chris Harris Jr., Derek Wolf, Shelby Harris, Manuel Sanders. Okay. I'm going to say Harris, no. Or Chris Harris Jr., no. Correct. Derek Wolf, possibly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Derek doesn't want to leave Denver. Exactly. That's why I could see him taking a bit of a deal. He even mentioned that to me last week when I talked to him on Friday in the locker room. He doesn't want to leave Denver. Yep. He wants to be a Bronco for life. Yep. So, Shelby Harris, mm, no. No, I think he's probably out the door. Emmanuel Sanders, no. 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 De def definitely not. So, the, the one there is Derek Wolf potentially. Yeah. Den Burke, if we're going to criticize Elway for the bad moves he makes, let's talk about one of the best moves he made. 
that no one is giving him credit for. Through six games, Matt Parrott is one quarterback sack, two quarterback hits, 15 QB pressures for a total of 21 QB pressures. Connor McGovern, zero QB hits, four QB pressures for a total of four QB pressures. It's not all perfect with McGovern, and he's still occasionally inconsistent with snapping, although Parrott himself has had several bad snaps with the Panthers this year. But this is a move Elway was heavily criticized for its paying off for the Broncos. Adding the fact that McGovern is four years younger and hasn't yet had any durability concerns, it's clear they made the right move. Time to get Connor locked up to an extension. I agree. You need to get Connor McGovern back. One thing I will say, though, is that in Carolina, some of the pressures are also on the quarterback position. You had Cam Newton, who was immobile in those first couple of games, and Kyle Allen, who was just now figuring out how to read pass rushes. Some of those pressures coming from the middle are on the quarterback position that Matt Paradis is allowing. I still think the best offensive line for the Broncos in 2019 would have involved Matt Paradis at center and Connor McGovern at right guard. Yeah. Because Ron Leary does not appear healthy, and right now Ron Leary is, I would argue, the weak link on the offensive line. Yeah, as crazy as that is, and uh, yeah, absolutely. Congratulations to Connor McGovern. Mace, we, we say it with offensive linemen. If we don't talk about him, it means good things. If we talk about him, it means bad things. I.e. Garrett Bowles, we haven't mentioned him that much. It means he's been playing better the past few weeks. We talked about him a ton at the beginning of the season, and that was very bad. We were very talking bad. about him Sunday, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, anyway, exactly. But yeah, Connor McGovern's on the lifeboat. Yes. Next one coming in from Black Cat. He says, or says, hey, DNVR fam, it's been a while since I commented, but I wanted to throw out a couple of things. One, I played rugby in high school and have always maintained that it is safer than football. One of you guys made the comment that perhaps since rugby players aren't wearing pads or helmets, they are more aware of their bodies than they when they tackle. I totally agree. We were taught to rely on form rather than just slam into people. Not saying football players aren't aware of form, but the vulnerability of being without pads makes you more careful. I wonder if a start in football would be take the face masks off. Hmm. Interesting. Because I think there would be a significant self-preservation instinct that would kick sure. in that, oh, man, I don't want to lose three teeth here. Yeah. Oh, I don't want to end up with a bloody nose. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Two, I am in on RK's take on wanting the Broncos to win. I think the losing culture around here needs to end. If Locke turns out to be the guy, then I think the momentum we build this season will continue to the next. I would also help future free agent signings, especially since good players want to go to winning teams. Along with that, how far does a team need to bottom out before they can start rebuilding for real? Have we already done that the last couple of years? Thanks again for all you do, and I love the addition of Mace to the team. Go Broncos. Thank you for the kind words. Appreciate it. I would say... Yeah, you could say that hopefully the Broncos did bottom out. And hopefully this is now the start of the ascent back up the mountain, as it were. Did they, though? We're going to find out here in the next couple of weeks whether this is the start of something or whether it was just a mirage against two teams that aren't very good. Mm -hmm. Because, of course, you have the Chargers who are, are sitting there at 2-4 and four now and fading, and the Titans are 2-4, and four and they look, looked awful. So we'll, we'll have a better idea what's coming uh, after this game against Kansas City, I think. So there's something to be said. Good comment, though. We appreciate you checking in with us. Andrew Rowe checking in. Guys, I think we are overreacting to things here. We played two terrible teams, and although the defense looks better, I do not attribute the sacks and turnovers 
to personnel changes or adjustments in scheme. The common denominator is that we were actually playing with a lead. That being said, I love that we have had some success, but I remain cautiously pe pessimistic. Stolen from RK. Nice to see improvement, but we are a couple of years away and a new QB from getting back in it. That being said, I will still come back to this community as we watch our Broncos finally turn it around. Well, it seems like uh, Andrew O has an answer for if the Bron Broncos have bottomed out yet. And no, not, not yet. You make a good point, Andrew O. Actually, one of the things that I was thinking in those first four games without a takeaway in those first three games without a sack, the, the going without a sack thing really bothered me because I see teams all the time that manage to get sacks even though they're behind. I thought the whole thing was a little bit of an excuse, yeah. a crutch. Oh, absolutely. I'm looking for reasons, not excuses. It, absolutely. And and when Andrew O says, you know, the only thing the Broncos need is, is a couple of years and uh, a quarterback, I think— That means you're a ways off. <laughs> and it just makes me think, man, I'm, I'm going to buy that house. All I need is money. It's, it's like, oh, well, you're a long ways off. Or you're it, buying the house, but you're getting a savings because it's a fixer-upper. But right. then you underestimate the cost of actually doing the fixing up. <laughs> yeah. Yep, exactly. Next one coming in from Mile High Kansas says, any thoughts on Chris Harris Jr.'s opinion of Fangio's defensive schemes and how he's being used? It almost seems as if Chris is truly enjoying this system. Any chances he sticks around after this season? Elway has always been a huge fan of his. Here's the well, answer. Well, if John Elway was a really a huge fan, wouldn't Chris Harris Jr. already already have his extinction by now? Without a doubt, because if he was a huge, if he was the biggest fan of Chris, well, then he would have paid him the biggest contract that Chris could possibly get, and then Chris would have gladly accepted and then become John's biggest friend. But that's not what happened. Yeah, and by necessity, you had Chris seeing some snaps in the slot on Sunday against Titan, the the Titans. It's not something that Chris Lee wants to do, though. No. He wants to be shadowing number one receiver. Would you have him shadow Tyreek Hill in this game? No, oh, without, without That's a your doubt. only shot, right? Without a doubt. The problem is Nicole Hardman can make plays, yep. too. Yep. And, and someone's <laughs> got to be on Travis Kelsey, a safety or linebacker, so there's a lot of problems. Exactly. Pig Toss for 66. New subscriber here. Thank you. Really appreciate that. <laughs> Welcome to the fam. Just wanted to say that you guys kill it every time, and I figured it was time I show the love and subscribe. RK and Zach, your content, takes, and chemistry was already a 10. And the Mace edition and what he brings just takes it all to another level. Hey, thank, thank you. Thank you. Love that. For my first comment, this game on Thursday is obviously huge, but not just for what it means for this season. KC has owned us for four years, with a lot of that being with an average Alex Smith, the quarterback. Now they have this Elway 2.0 in KC that we have to deal with for at least a dozen years. And I'd be lying if I said that doesn't scare the crap out of me and make me a little discouraged about our chances for another ring in the next decade. But I've always felt that Elway chose Fangio to be a head coach because of Mahomes. And I know that his early in his tenure and his system and the pieces aren't fully in place, but just think about what it would do for the team and Broncos country if we come out on Thursday and we get a dub in his first game against a team that we haven't been able to beat. The confidence in this coach and this team will be sky high. This game has franchise momentum and culture-changing implications, and I think the players feel it and go out and get this dub. Well, I agree with everything you said until the very end about how, you know, that this will all lead to a win this week. But, Mace, if they win this game, it, it is huge. I, if they win this game... You start. You stop talking about re rebuild and say, yep. you know what? 
They have rebuilt for a couple of years. They've yep. got some pieces in place. <laughs> They've got a chance here. Everything swings on this game. This yep. is the pivot point of the season. Mm-hmm. And even, I would say, the next six months going all the way to the NFL draft. Ab- absolutely. Mace, can you see the Broncos losing this game? Absolutely. I can okay. see losing and, this game. And can, can you see a possibility that they win? Yes, I can. Because I can I can as well. I can see both both outcomes, and you're right. If they win, forget rebuilding. This is about this year. They're only one game out, only one game behind the Chiefs with the tiebreaker over them. If they lose... It, but it's forget about it to a point. If they end up falling back, if right. they, right. say, lose to the Colts and then right. lose those two road games in November against Buffalo and Minnesota... Then, yeah, you're at that point. You would have six losses minimum. Right. You're probably talking about that last month, or at least the last couple of games at home, being in an evaluation point. But Friday's outlook is oh, it is Friday's outlook is tremendous. It it is now. If they lose this game, can you see the Broncos losing to Indianapolis in Indianapolis? Oh hell yeah! W- without a doubt, I-, I can see them losing Indianapolis even if they win this game. I know, I know, I-, I can as well. Now the Browns aren't great this year, but could you see the Broncos losing two straight, going welcoming Cleveland? Can you see them losing to the Browns? I'm not I'm not saying will they, but can you see a possibility if they win this game? No, if they lose. Oh sure, absolutely. Okay, so not a possibility, but I think the Broncos will be favored to win. Then we're talking about a two and seven team and and entering the bye. Or let's say they let's say they beat the Browns, then they're three and six, and oh. and it's just what you said, Mace. It's all oh, here we go again. So this this game really is bigger than just one game. It 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 totally changes the trajectory of the season. But the thing to remember, something I said coming out of zero and four. I thought this team would normalize it somewhere in the 500 range, 5 and 7 to 7 and 5 the rest of the way. Yep. Teams that start 0 and 4, that they, they come close to getting back in it, but they rarely do. And you're always chasing. The problem is you've got to be perfect or damn near perfect to get back into this race. I don't know if the Broncos have damn near perfect in them. Yep. I I agree with you, Mace. All right, before we get out of here, we loved hearing from you and talking to you guys. I got to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. And just with Symbiotax, you guys know, and Breckenridge Beer, you guys know how supporting local business is in our blood. We're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company and probably not the rubber company that you're thinking of. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing, and custom hoses. DRC offers innovative solutions to serve a diverse line of industries, including aerospace, pharmaceutical, construction, medical, military, electronics, and so much more. An ISO-certified company that will work with you from design to final product that is both cost-effective and will meet your requirements. And guys, they had us out to their facility about 10 days ago, a fortnight ago, as we'll call it, Mace, and they were awesome. You guys will love them. You'll love their products. You'll love their customer service. So please give them a call, especially if you're in need of custom design 
material selection for your product or have a deadline to make for a large order, do not hesitate to call Denver Rubber Company. So call them today at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash DNVR and tell them who sent you. All right, for Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Have a fantastic Tuesday, and I can't wait to talk to you guys tomorrow to preview this Broncos Chiefs primetime football game. Have a great one. It's getting